focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome out there to uh, Processing College Football. This is your Week 7 Review, Week 8 Preview. We are, as I said, Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. I am your host, Jason Randazza, and joining me, as always, is Mark Catlin. Mark, how are you doing? I'm still trying to recover from football this weekend, but I think I'm feeling okay. Hopefully this acts as a useful therapy session for you. This is our Week 8 podcast. If you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, send them in. You can tweet at us at ProcessingCFB or email us at ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. And you know what? I'm bringing back this week. We're having our special word at the end. So don't forget to listen to the very end of this week's show for our special offer. All right, Mark. So, uh, are you ready to process things here at the top of the show like we always do? I'm always ready. This is process colleging. Colleging? No. It's processing college football. Maybe I'm not ready to process. <laughs> uh, still recovering. All right. So, um, <laughs> this first term, and really the only term we wanted to find this week, it came up a lot over the weekend. So, I, I hope you can help me with it. The term is chaos. Yeah, I can help you with that. You know, it can be a state of things in which chance is supreme, Uh uh, the confused, unorganized state of primordial matter. It could be the inherent unpredictability in the behavior of a complex natural system. Uh, Others define it maybe as behavior so unpredictable as to appear random. Uh I actually prefer a different definition. I prefer to define chaos as Week seven of the 2017 college football season. Ah, I, I feel like that's what it was. Yeah. All right. So that leads us right into our week seven review. So let's talk about some games. Normally, we would review these in the order we previewed them, but this week I'm going to change it up a little bit, Mark. I want to review them in the order they occurred so we just have a sense for how all of this chaos unfolded. So mm-hmm. overall, Here's what happened this week. We had four top 10 teams lost. And then we had seven top 25 teams also lost. And they all lost to unranked opponents. So that is, again, the definition of chaos. Chaos. Uh, The first game that happened on Friday night that we previewed was the Clemson-Syracuse game. This game kicked off at 7 p.m. Clemson was ranked number two. Syracuse was ranked nothing, so <laughs> as they should be. The The final score, not to keep anyone on tenterhooks, was 27-24 to 24 Syracuse. So, Mark, my sister got married this last weekend, as you're aware, and so I just want to congratulate both her and her new husband, Josh, who's one of the nicest Badger fans you'd ever meet. You know how they say it couldn't happen to a nicer couple when a nice couple gets married? Yeah. Well, that's sort of like the Clemson-Syracuse game, only with Syracuse, it couldn't happen to a worse team. To echo a, a joke you once told to some punk kid at a bowling alley when we oh, were in dear. middle school, 
You know the difference between Syracuse and a bucket of crap? The bucket. <laughs> the bucket. <laughs> Honestly, oh, Clemson should really feel bad. Not not just about losing to a team like Syracuse, but even just about having to sustain the indignity of playing them. That's kind of how I feel. But getting into the game itself, the loss, I think, is really worse than than just the numbers suggest. I think it's so much worse for them because perhaps the worst thing to come out of this game is an injured Kelly Bryant. I'm not sure he should have even been playing. We talked last week about how the big question from the previous week was Bryant's health, and apparently he had hurt his ankle, and so he comes into this game, and the broadcasters are talking about how he has this hurt ankle and how that can impact a quarterback's throwing motion. So I'm wondering, okay, so it impacts his throwing motion, and then he's a mobile quarterback, so it definitely hinders his running, and it seems like if if he can't move like he would normally be able to move and he can't throw, then he spends a lot of time in the back there just exposed, uh, not being able to make a play, and it, it keeps him in the game, and it seems like it could really open him up to more sacks and more opportunity to compound his existing injury or sustain new ones, which I think is what happened here. So he gets sacked, and it it was a nasty hit, and he's on the turf for a couple of minutes, not really moving. I was watching this after the fact, so I knew he was ultimately going to be okay, but even watching the replay footage, he was limp and not moving. It was upsetting. He does walk off the field, but he sustained a concussion. So I'm not the coach, and I'm not really sure what the calculus is, and I'm sorry I'm ranting on this, but this game just really confused me for a lot of reasons. I'm sure Kelly Bryant was probably saying, oh, I'm fine, put me in before the game. But I, I feel like that wasn't the right call. So anyway, like I said, concussion. So he'll be out a couple of weeks. Clemson has a bye this weekend. Does he come back for the Georgia Tech game? I, I'm not sure. But, you know, that leaves backups Zarek Cooper and Hunter Johnson, apparently, um, who haven't gotten a whole lot of reps to take the helm. And, and Georgia Tech, they gave Miami a little trouble, as we'll talk about a little bit later. But unless there's kind of like, I don't know, reminiscent of like the Ezekiel Elliott Cardell Jones situation uh, from a couple years back. I, I don't know. For me, this loss really seems like it, it could put Clemson's season in jeopardy. Yeah, it does. And it, it, we had talked a little bit about this. First of all, well, I'm still trying to recover from flashback to middle school bowling. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet mercy. Um, but, uh, it was a great joke. I, I mean, he definitely didn't see it coming. Oh, man. So, you know, I brought up, you know, it's similar to uh, – it doesn't quite end the season in terms of just the loss itself, right? They lost to Pitt last year and then came back and, as we right. all know, won the national championship. However, uh, as you said in your text back, they also didn't lose, you know, Deshaun Watson in that game. Uh, their starting quarterback from last year, and that's also true. And so – you got Kelly Bryant. He's out, and he may come back in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But when he does, is he going to be the same quarterback? Is he going to be as mobile? Will his confidence be shaken mentally? Where will he be as far as when a team blitzes, or it, just all those things come come into play? And so I think you know Clemson's not in the not in a great place. The other thing is, it wasn't just that you know they lost their starting quarterback. The game, Syracuse played them really well. Yeah. And really what they did is Clemson has a really good defense and they're really strong against the run. And Syracuse just ran right at them. And if you watch if you watch the game, the offensive line of Syracuse really pushed around the defensive line of Clemson, which was shocking. I mean, most people have said that 
Clemson's defensive line is the best in the country, and until that game, they really showed that. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't know if the offensive struggles make the defense tired, kind of like the Alabama-Clemson game where Alabama's defense got tired uh, toward the end, and so Clemson was moving the ball with ease. But, I mean, Syracuse really ran on them. So there's, there's a couple of pretty big problems coming out of this game. It'll be really interesting to see how Clemson rebounds. But, yeah, I think I think their hopes of getting back to a college football playoff for the national championship for a third straight year are in serious jeopardy at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, to the question of do you start the quarterback, you know, if a quarterback's really pushing a go and he can play mm-hmm. and you don't have anybody behind him who really has any experience, you may throw him out there. In hindsight, it looks like maybe it was a bad call and – uh, who knows, you know, um, and health of the players definitely comes into play. But uh, if Dabo had to do it over again, who knows what he would do. But things, uh, well, I, I guess, you know, Clemson's just got some question marks going through the rest of the season that are that are pretty big. Yeah, so he went out late in the, in the first half, actually. Was Syracuse leading at that point? Do you know? I don't. Yeah. I mean, they did look good. If they weren't leading, then they were even. Anyway... So Clemson falls five spots to number seven after that loss. But we do have to move on because there's just so much to discuss. Next up at 10.30 p.m. that same Friday night, Friday the 13th, it was number eight Washington State playing Cal. Okay, the final score of this game was 37-3. to Cal. This game was actually nearly canceled because of the wildfires contributing to like poor air quality over there but i guess the air quality index was below whatever threshold they set i sort of feel responsible for this loss i was really high on on wazoo um i said they were my pac-12 team um i said this would be a good barometer for who was better washington or washington state because washington had just played them the week before and if football hadn't just stopped making sense this week I'd say we could feel reasonably certain that Washington is a better team. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Washington State got a field goal against Cal. One field goal against Cal. Cal, who only beat Ole Miss by 11, which I think the NCAA actually effectively ruled a loss just because Ole Miss is that bad. But, I don't know. I, when I went to bed, Cal was up 17-3, to and I was like, nah, this is temporary. Wazoo's just having difficulty getting going. Um, but I'll wake up, and this will have reversed itself. It did not. Um, did you get to see yeah, this I mean, game? This was a, uh, a very interesting game. I didn't stay up and watch it. Kind of like you, I thought the same thing. Okay, so Cal started strong, but Washington State will turn it on, and, you know, they'll, they'll prevail. And, I mean, just to make you feel a little bit better, apparently nobody in Cal thought they were going to win anyway because 80% of the stadium was empty. Right. Uh, so I don't think anybody really had too much hope for the old Golden Bears. Maybe they, maybe they took that personally. But, you know, the thing, Luke Falk, the Washington State quarterback, came in with some Heisman hype starting to gather around him. Right. I, I threw, had this note. Yeah, he, he, he threw five interceptions. Yeah, he was leading uh, the nation in touchdown passes and just two interceptions on the season and threw five. That's crazy. Five interceptions, seven turnovers total. And when you do that against anybody, you might lose. Now, 37 to 3 is a different story. I mean, I think of the Alabama Ole Miss game from a couple years ago where uh, Alabama had five turnovers and still almost won the game in the end. Usually you might see that, right? Because Cal's not a really good team. 
but if Washington State were a good team, you still maybe make it close. But seven turnovers is just hard to overcome. And, I mean, that's really all there is to say about it. If if they can't turn it around, then maybe they're not as good as we thought. I, I don't really know. But uh, this, I woke up to 37-3 and thought the same thing you did. What in the world happened? Mm-hmm. And uh, then went and looked at the turnovers, and that's pretty much the story of the game. Yeah. I mean, at- Luke Falk is not going to win the Heisman. No, he's not. I mean, he was also sacked nine times, so it doesn't seem like his offensive line was doing him any favors either. And just to add a little insult to injury, uh, when you're comparing, I guess, quarterbacks in this game, did you happen to catch Cal's quarterback, uh, Ross Bowers, doing a flip into the end zone? Yes. That was amazing. (laughs) Did you hear what he said in the press conference afterwards? About his mom being a gymnastics coach? Yeah, so his mom's a gymnastics coach, and uh, he he gave her the credit for for that little maneuver, but asked him why he didn't do a double into the end. Yeah. (laughs) Which is great. This is great. Maybe next week. Just owning the spotlight. That's called making the most of the moment right there. Love it. So uh, Washington State falls seven spots to number 15. Next up is a noon game on Saturday. South Carolina, Tennessee. I regret to say that I watched probably most of this game. The final nice. score was 15-9 to South Carolina. So Tennessee actually came pretty close to winning this one. They were at first down five yards to go. So they were on the South Carolina's five-yard line with 27 seconds left in the game. So they had ample opportunity. They just needed to move five yards so Butch Jones could avoid more humiliation but just like any other man with a haircut like that avoiding humiliation is not really a concern for him so they move it to the two yard line and they can't make it happen time runs out south carolina wins i actually tweeted after this that i was disappointed that we only got to play one week of will butch jones have a job next week on the show but it looks like we can play again right now i read that he was unlikely to be fired before playing alabama because they want to make sure that the, that stink stays with him and not whoever's replacing him in tremor otherwise did you watch yeah, this game? i mean I, I watched zero seconds of this game and i'm glad you lucky for that soul. yeah i uh i was lucky enough not to catch any of it i mean it, yeah it's just it's really bad and as far as this Bush show is going to have a job next week. I don't want to give too much away about my prediction in the Alabama-Tennessee <laughs> game, but I think he will not have a job after okay. the Alabama game. All right, moving on. Another top 10 loss. Uh, LSU facing off against uh, number 10-ranked Auburn, a 330 game. Final score, 27-23 LSU. So before we previewed this game last week, we asked what Vegas knew. Just like we do every time we see a line we don't understand, Auburn was projected to win by six and a half. I know I I expected they would crush this line, but they lost by four. So, as I said, my sister got married this past weekend. I was at the rehearsal when this was happening. So this is how I experienced this game. I checked the score, and it's 17 to zero, Auburn's lead. Then I went to the rehearsal. I checked the game, and it was over, and LSU had won. So fill me in. What the heck happened? What happened? That's a great question. I don't think anybody really knows. Auburn actually ends up going up 20 to nothing. Mm-hmm. And then they blow a 20-point lead and lose to LSU. The past four years, I think, and Auburn was ranked and LSU was not, I think it's maybe the the top 10, right? Auburn was number 10. 
Over the past four years, top 10 teams who have had a 20-point lead against unranked opponents are 185-0. and 0. Wow. So this is... So just to talk about the historic collapse, like how amazing this collapse is for Auburn, the previous 185 teams who had a 20-point lead as a top 10 team against an unranked opponent, they all won. They were the first time in 185 games... This was the first time in 185 games that somebody lost and Auburn just completely... Blew it. So what happened? I mean, it just fell apart. If you look at the stats of the first half versus the the second half, maybe LSU's defense suddenly woke up. Like they're at halftime, they're like, "Hey guys, no, look, we figured it out. Here's the thing: we tackle people." I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know like what the huge revelation they had. Like the guy with the ball, we hit him. That's what we need to figure out. Like, I don't know what happened, but they came out, and all of a sudden. I think Jared Stidham had six yards passing or something in the second half. I, I, I don't know what went down, but LSU's defense came out with a different energy, different excitement. They were flying around the football. I, I, I don't know. But really, it's in order for that to happen, Auburn just has to have an historic collapse, and they were just terrible in the second half. It's somewhat unfathomable, but I keep saying that. Right? I said that about the Texas A&M UCLA game. I said it about the Tennessee Florida game. It's like, you just don't know what's going to happen. And a good term to describe it is, it's just chaos. So, I mean, it, it's really hard to explain. I think the, the one big thing that did happen that, that turned uh, the game around was LSU had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh, they gave them a touchdown and really sparked them in the second half. But other than that, I mean, Auburn just didn't do anything offensively, and LSU showed up and won. And uh, it's always fun to listen to Ed Orger and talk after. So yeah, really watch that. But speaking of which, yeah, his, this is just really bad. His seat was a little bit warm, but I, I think he's probably done enough at this point to buy himself some time. So Auburn falls eleven spots to number twenty-one, and LSU peaks into the ranked teams at number 24 and i get why lsu is ranked now so despite having a transitive loss to south alabama now that troy has lost to them uh they also have a transitive win over clemson since they beat syracuse in september and it's actually crazy looking at their schedule for the rest of the year but i can actually see them maybe getting to eight and four uh which i wouldn't have thought but it is definitely possible no, it's it's been pretty wild. I mean, Ed Orgeron's seat wasn't warm. It was on fire. <laughs> and somehow he was able to put that out just in a couple of weeks with a you know, win against Florida in kind of crazy fashion and now coming back against Auburn. I mean, I think they can forgive a loss to Troy, which isn't in conference even if it's at home. If you're, if you're going to beat Auburn LSU and maybe even play Alabama well, then heck, bring on the loss to Troy, sure. you know? Uh, so, yeah, that, I mean, it's a wild turnaround, and they have a lot to, to thank Auburn for for that, for totally collapsing twenty after having a 20-point lead. Yeah, that's wild. So, next up, it was also being played simultaneously. It was Wisconsin, number seven, playing against Purdue. So, the final on this one, 17-9, to nine, Wisconsin. So, Purdue is not a guaranteed win this year like they have been in the past. But Wisconsin took care of business, which is more than you could say for a whole chunk of teams. Yeah. Once again, uh, they're cruising this week. Uh, November is really when things start getting just a little bit more difficult uh, for them. So we'll we'll just keep checking in with them, but probably won't. I don't have a whole lot to say about but I, this. I mean, at this yeah. point, it's really important to note, though, like taking care of business against teams you should beat is basically like you're a great team this year. Yeah. And so, I mean, we were talking about that with Washington earlier. They hadn't really played anybody, but they took care of business. Well, you, 
He may not have this week, but I mean, just take care of business this year, and you may end up, find yourself in the college football playoff. So definitely. So they uh, are, uh, rise to number five this week. Next up, or actually, again, another simultaneous game. There was a lot going on at 3.30 on Saturday. Oklahoma, number 12, playing against Texas. This was a rivalry game. Final score was 29-24. to Both teams really treated this like the rivalry it was. Oklahoma scores first, but it's really back and forth. Uh, Texas pulled ahead with about eight minutes less left in the, the fourth quarter, but on the next drive, Oklahoma scores, and they regain the lead, and then they hold on to it for the rest of the game. Do you have any thoughts or feelings about this one? It was a really exciting game. I mean, like you said, it being a rivalry game, middle of the season, I, think, I thought both teams were kind of up for it. Oklahoma got a lead at the beginning, but then Texas came back, made it exciting. I picked Texas to win this, and the game went about you know how I expected um, I mean, the one big thing was at the end was actually quite disappointing. I don't know if you saw the final play for Texas on offense, but it was fourth down. The quarterbacks, the, the quarterbacks run around. You know, there's two minutes left in the game, and he's scrambling, he's scrambling, he's scrambling. Fourth down, and then he just throws the ball away. And I was kind of like, dude, you uh, you don't have another down. So he should have just tried to run it. You feel like, or just thrown it. To, in the middle of the field and said, asked one of his players to go make a play, but like you just threw it away. You threw it out of bounds. Right. So you throw it out of bounds. It's like nobody can make a play there. You just lost the game, and you didn't even give your team a chance. That was like the only really disappointing part of this game is, I mean, who cares if they intercept it? If, if you just have to, you have to give your team a chance at the end. It was such a strange ending to that game. But other than that, I thought it was I thought it was an exciting game to watch, and it went about like I thought. I thought Texas would pull it out, but you know, I, Oklahoma's losing a little luster here with the loss mm-hmm. to Iowa State, not able to put Texas away. Although it's a rivalry game, you know, they were they were pretty high coming off the win against Ohio State. Sure, we'll see how they go for the rest of the season, but I don't know. All right, next up, a six thirty game: UAB against Middle Tennessee State University. Final score: twenty five to twenty three another UAB win. Middle Tennessee was expected to win by four here, so there's a few things to say about this. UAB is now four and two. UAB is now better than even money to make it to a bowl, so hopefully they can keep it up. You know what else it means? It means UAB has won all of their home games this year because you do not walk into battered and neglected Legion Field and expect to come out with a win. That's right. That's right. Legion Field. So I think we just need to take that into consideration when we're picking uh, UAB games this year. Yeah, or, Legion Field, which they've considered like tearing down every month for the past ten years. The stadium's practically tearing itself down, but just let it rot. <laughs> you know, maybe uh, we get to a bowl and uh, they build us. I don't know, hundred and twenty thousand seater. So we'll maybe, see. Maybe UAB could host the Birmingham Bowl. Isn't that what they call it? I think so, because they haven't found a sponsor in years. Um, anyway, moving on. Alabama, number one, playing against Arkansas at 7-15 on Saturday. Final score, 41-9. to Alabama takes the win. So Alabama beat Arkansas on the ground. No surprise. They were actually roughly even in passing yards, uh, though Arkansas put up just a few more, which may be concerning. 
if you're considering Alabama's pass defense. I don't know. I'll let you tell me. But Alabama had 108, 80. I'm sorry, 188 through the air, uh, and Arkansas put up 200. And then on the ground, Alabama had 308 yards to Arkansas's 27. So what are your takeaways from this game? Yeah, I mean, my takeaways from this game, I, I, I'm not really that concerned about Alabama's pass defense. You know, some of those yards were after Alabama put in the second string. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more concerned, if there's a concern on the offense, about the passing offense for Alabama. Yeah. I think that's where the concern is. But at the same time, I mean, the more I watch Alabama – uh, I just I don't know if there's anybody who's actually going to be able to slow down the running game to the point where we have to really win passing. Um, the defense is stout. The running game's incredible. Um, you know, I was watching with a few people who are really watching watching Alabama football for the first time. Friends of ours in the area, and I was trying to explain to them. I mean, they don't have the background for it, but I was trying to explain to them how incredible it is that we have really have four running backs that you can rotate in and out, and then you add to that Jalen Hurts. So Damian Harris, first play from scrimmage, 75-yard touchdown run. Um, it was just insane. And then it's like, well, you know, he needs a little rest, so we'll just throw Bo Scarborough in there or Josh Jacobs, and we'll throw Najee Harris in there. It's like any of those guys could break. Like you're not losing a whole lot when you put those other guys in. It's sometimes it's a different style of running, uh-huh. but that can actually throw a defense off as well. Like if you're used to Bo Scar- Scar- Scarborough just running you over, and then you bring in like quick-footed Josh Jacobs or you know Damian Harris, then you got to adjust constantly. And yet all those guys are really, really good. Then you add to that running mix, Jalen Hurts. And it's like, how do you possibly stop Alabama's running game? I, I don't really know that you can. So let's say, okay, we shut down Damian Harris. Way to go, guys. Uh, well, here comes Bo Scarborough. Okay, we shut him down. Well, here comes Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris and Jalen Hurts. Like, what do you do? Um, and so I, I, the passing game is a concern, but are we going to need it to win a football game? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as you said, I mean, our run defense is – very, very good. I think uh, our pass defense, it, it's not its not great necessarily, but it's not terrible. And we're going to be a typical Alabama football game. You rely really heavily on the run game and defense, maybe more on the run game than in the past. But when you're averaging over 300 yards on the ground, who cares? Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, put up numbers like this, it, it doesn't seem to matter much. Um well, and the other, I mean, the other takeaway for me is uh, Alabama took care of business. You know, yep. team you're supposed to beat, beat them. You know, coming off of Texas A&M, hopefully that was a wake-up call and then watching these other games. Mm-hmm. Um, just keep destroying teams you're supposed to destroy. So I was happy to see them not, you know, have to eke out one against Arkansas or watch Arkansas start to come back or anything like that. Um, so that was good. Well, and then I guess the other thing, Arkansas's quarterback – that played mm-hmm. did you see this guy uh what's his name remind me i think his name's cole kelly okay uh, but he's the backup he's six seven 268 pounds it's a big quarterback guy's enormous so anyway the passing game you know off uh, we got to him several times but it was just hard to bring bring the guy down <laughs> um and so sometimes he was completing passes with guys hanging all over him but uh, it's worth going back just to see how big that guy is. So anyway, he he's good. I don't, I'm not looking forward to facing him in the future, but um, 
yeah, it was a solid win. And right now, normally, I don't know, I would have things to pick apart and be worried about. But this year, mm-hmm. you beat a team you're supposed to beat, I'll take it. Yeah, agreed. Next up, 8 p.m. game on Saturday. USC played Utah. USC was nearly a two-touchdown favorite going into this game. Final score, 28-27. USC comes from behind to win it. So they were actually down by multiple touchdowns and tied the game at 21 and then uh, pull ahead with a touchdown to bring them to 28-21. So Utah scores another touchdown with about 45 seconds left. And then they decide to go for two uh, to try to win the game instead of tying it to go into overtime, which I actually appreciated the boldness of. Uh, but they failed to get the two, so the game ends 28-27. Yeah, I love it when team go, teams go for two like that. It, you know on that play the game's going to end. Yeah. You know, like somebody's going to win. It's just it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's ballsy. It's wonderful. Um, so I love that, and I also love that USC won. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't, USC is just like a classic. You play up and down to your competition, and Sam Darnold is going to make some insane throws in a game uh-huh. that are, like, amazing. You're like, wow, that kid's unbelievable. And then he's going to make some of the dumbest throws and plays of all time. He just he's gonna He's got two or three turnovers in him every single game, and you, you just can't be a consistent team like that. You're not going to win consistently. Yeah. So looking at USC, I'm like, you know, you watch a couple games with Sam Darnold, you just got a couple picks or something, you're like, oh, well, maybe not. You know, next game, maybe that won't be the case. No, he's got two turnovers in him every single game. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually that's going to come back to bite you, especially if you're playing a team that that's pretty good. And so um, I don't know. I, I mean, my pick was USC to come out of the Pac-12. I, that's not going to happen, I don't think. I don't know. We'll see. Well, and there's other things happening, but I, I don't know. They, they're a little frustrating because of Sam Darnold. Yeah. Well, I mean, but they're also exciting to watch because of Sam Darnold. So, sure. so I, I think they could still uh, come out of the Pac-12. I mean, no team in the Pac-12 is undefeated. No team's undefeated even in conference play. So yeah. uh, it's a little, it's a little weird. Uh, USC climbing up two spots to the number 11 rank overall. So there's another game we didn't preview, but we should review, and it's number five Washington playing against Arizona State. Washington was a seven and a half, or I'm sorry, pardon me, 17 and a half point favorite. So this was played at 10:45 on Saturday night, and just to give some insight into why we didn't preview this game. Coming into this matchup, Arizona State featured the nation's 120th ranked total defense. Washington, on the other hand, featured the country's 10th ranked scoring offense. Um, Also, it was a 10-45 game, and I knew I wasn't going to watch it, and Washington was over a two-touchdown favorite, so uh, we didn't preview this game because we didn't think we had to. That said... Arizona State won this game 13-7. to Did you see any of this action or lack thereof as it was? No, I didn't watch any of this. No, it's it, too late. It's so late, and it's a it's a sure win, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that's pretty astonishing. 120th ranked defense, 10th ranked offense, 
and Washington State only scores seven points, and they don't score those seven points until like five minutes left right, right. in the game. It was, it was thirteen to nothing. It was thirteen to nothing. Like, if if you had said, okay, Arizona State's going to score thirteen points, who wins? It's Washington. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it just there's no way that that one could have thought Washington will not score more than thirteen points, but they almost didn't score any points. Um. And so, yeah, I mean, the crazy thing about this, now that we've covered Washington, Washington State, and USC, I had Pac-12 as my top conference last mm-hmm. week. And then their top three teams, two of them lose. The other one almost loses. And they might uh, – I've got a, I've got my new conference rankings here that I was kind of working through. It's potentially that they go from first to worst for me. Really? Yeah. But they were beat by in-conference teams. So you could say that there's a lot of parity in that conference, and maybe they're all strong. I wouldn't make that argument, but if I were you, I might. (laughs) Just to save face a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. That's stupid, but it's chaos. You can't predict it. So, I mean, I I don't think I quite have them at the bottom. I saw the Big 12 at the bottom because of Kansas and Baylor are just terrible. Yeah. That means 20% of your conference is really, really, really bad. Uh, if you only have 10 teams, but I've got a question mark next to that. Uh, it, w- it was just really interesting uh, to watch. I mean, I, nobody saw Washington losing to Arizona State. Nobody saw Washington State losing like that mm-hmm. to Cal 37-3. to So it just kind of raises question. Cal is not that good. You can't make the argument that Cal is that good. Uh, you can't make uh, the argument that Arizona State's that good. Um, and so I think the top is just lower than we thought. And that makes that raises some big questions. So I think in order to be, you know, a top one, two, or three conference of that Power Five, you got to have a legitimate national title contender. And at this point, I don't know that you can say any of those teams are really. No. You can say yes, there's a real chance they're going to win the national title over against Alabama, Georgia, Penn State, all those sort of teams. So um, that's why they kind of fall to the bottom for me. All right, then we had a couple, um, four quick picks, so I'm just going to go through them pretty quickly. Ohio State playing Nebraska. They were a 24-point favorite, and they covered. That final score was 56-14, to 14, Ohio State. FSU played against Duke. Uh, they were a 7-point favorite, and they matched the line here and expectations to win. Score was 17-10. to 10. Miami played Georgia Tech. Miami was number 11 ranked, and they were favored to win by 7. And so Miami trails this game 24-22 to 22 until about 8 seconds left in the game when they kick a 24-yard field goal to win this one by 1. Final score is 25-24. to 24. Ole Miss played Vandy. Ole Miss was a three-point favorite. Final score on this one was 57-35. to 35. So I think this means that the smug Vandy fan is probably extinct at this point. They've all kind of reverted to the mean now. Uh, they've gone back to prioritizing academics, which is good for them. Um, Ole Miss is better than Vandy, which is what we would expect, and uh, we would expect this any normal year. So at least in this corner of the college football universe... Uh, everything is as it should be. Yeah, things are beginning to right themselves in this very tiny corner of the college football universe. That really doesn't matter at all. All right. Are you ready to look ahead to this week's games? 
Oh, yes. All right, let's step into our week eight preview. It's going to be a whole day of team sports and beer. Get the old heart rate up. Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun. Throw some butter on it. You're going to love it. First up, we have number two ranked, newly number two ranked, Penn State University playing against Michigan, number 19. So Penn State is an 11.5 point favorite, and I apologize because I didn't get the times for any of these games. I think it's a Saturday game, but who the heck knows. Uh, Once again this week, I think people are giving Michigan too much credit. They took Indiana into overtime to beat them, although they fell two spots in the rankings doing it. Um, They might be able to contain Saquon Barkley like Iowa did, but I don't think their defense will be able to do much else. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this matchup, though, because I think it actually cements Penn State's position at the top of the Big Ten. I think Penn State wins this in a convincing fashion. 42 to 20. Yeah, I think not only was Saquon Barkley, just Penn State do it, but Penn State's defense rather phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, um, you know, number one, I think, in scoring defense. And so I think Penn State wins by a couple touchdowns. All right. Any score in particular or just a couple touchdowns? Uh, we'll say 24, 24 to 10. Yeah, all right, I can see that. Next up, we have number 11th ranked USC uh, playing number 13 ranked Notre Dame. Notre Dame is favored by four. So a couple weeks back, if you had asked me who would win this game, I would say USC as a heavy favorite. Now I've lost faith in USC. Sam Darnold plays just so sloppy, as we talked about. On top of that, Notre Dame's coming off a bye week with... USC playing seven straight, and now they're traveling to Notre Dame. Uh, I'm picking Notre Dame to win this and beat the spread, 35-24. to 24. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Notre Dame's a better football team than we thought. Uh, that really close loss against Georgia at home isn't looking too bad right now. It's no. their only loss. I think Notre Dame's one of these teams that's really benefiting from everybody else losing. Um and they've got a really tough schedule ahead. If Notre Dame wins out from here, I think they're in the college football playoff, which would be really interesting because um, they're not in a conference and it would be just, again, more chaos, which then you should probably bank on Notre Dame being in the college football playoff. But uh, for this game, yeah, Sam Donald's going to throw a couple pick sixes, um, and Notre Dame will win pretty easily 31-20. It won't even be that close. USC will score late to make it close. 31-20, Notre Dame. All right. So, actually, let's process something, or maybe you can just educate me right here in the middle of the show, because I actually genuinely don't know the answer to this. So, Notre Dame... Either. I don't know what you're going to ask. Notre Dame is not in any conference. So, when everybody else is playing conference championships, regardless of how well Notre Dame's doing, they just don't play anyone? They just sit there? That's correct. They're an independent team. That's lame. That's lame. They should be considered with the Big 12 teams. It's um, no Dame, Jason. Dame. You just don't get it. Okay. <laughs> they play a heck of a schedule, though, because they're not in a conference. They just play like a lot of really good teams. From oh, home. so they they feel like if they're good with their strength of schedule alone, they should get in. That's actually reasonable. That's reasonable. Well, right. I think they just think they're Notre Dame, so they should get in. I see. Then they throw the strength and schedule thing in there. They're like, we're Notre Dame. We're like, well, it's been terrible for a long time. That's so, true. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you say 
we're Notre Dame, but then you look back at that 2013 national championship game against Alabama. Yeah, that was a great game. It was really close for about 12 seconds. Yeah, you know what could have ruled Notre Dame out of being in that game uh, when they shouldn't have been was a conference championship. So, <laughs> Anyway, next up, Oklahoma State, uh, number 10th ranked, going against Texas. Oklahoma State is a six-point favorite. So this is another barometer game. Oklahoma played Texas last week. Oklahoma is currently ranked number 9, and Oklahoma State is number 10. So who will perform better against Texas? Uh, both of them have to play at Texas. I think there's a bit of daylight between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma, I still think, is the better team. So I'm going to say that actually Texas wins this one outright. Um, I'm going to say Texas 28-17. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right that Oklahoma has, a, on the whole, a better team than Oklahoma State, but I think Oklahoma State... Is gonna their vertical passing game is gonna just own Texas, so Texas will probably score some points, but I think Oklahoma State ends up outscoring them. I think they'll beat the spread, um, and I'm gonna go Oklahoma State something like 48, 40, wow. 41. A high scoring affair. What yeah. is a vertical passing game? Is there a horizontal passing game? <laughs> yeah, there, there kind of is, actually. So vertical is just like down the field. You're throwing the ball very far down the field. So okay. wide receiver runs 20 yards down the field at least, and you're throwing the ball. Uh, I don't know if they really call it a horizontal passing game, but you throw a lot of screens. Oh, uh, yeah, we've talked, we about, talked about that about before. Did we? Yeah. Um, where you're throwing it more like to the side. You throw it behind the line or just a few yards. And so vertical passing game just far down the field. Okay, noted. Next up, Oklahoma, number nine, playing against Kansas State. Oklahoma is a 13-point favorite here. Uh, Oklahoma's playing Kansas State, who was the ranked team that Vandy beat in week three to make us think that Vandy was a good team. So I'm just going to really quick recount Kansas State's wins for you from this year. Yeah. Um, win number one was Central Arkansas. Then they beat Charlotte. Um, and then they lost to Vandy. And then they beat Baylor. Um, so they've had losses to Texas, TCU, and Vandy. Which, uh, at least two of those are, are at least decent teams. Um, so I don't think that Oklahoma has any trouble with them at all. Um, although, who knows? Maybe they're on par with Iowa State. So I think Oklahoma has... Re- maybe recovered even more this week. I think they win here 41 to 19. Yeah, I'll take Oklahoma 38 to 10. Kansas State's terrible. Yeah. Um I had not really thought through what you just said about their wins and losses. Um but the loss to Vanny's pretty bad. So really three teams in the Big 12 are really really bad. Well, so Kansas State was just ranked because of preseason expectations. Are they usually a good team? Uh, not usually. I mean, but Bill Snyder's a good coach. I don't, I don't know. You know, preseason stuff, you never know what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, the whole Vandy thing ends up it's total sham. Yeah. And 30% of the Big 12, I'll correct my 20% from earlier, 30% of the Big 12 is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. They're trash. All right. They're at the bottom. Next up, Tennessee is playing Alabama in a classic 
rivalry. So Alabama is a 34-point favorite. Uh, this is the biggest spread in the history of this rivalry. So here's the question I have for you. Yes. Alabama is nearly a five-touchdown favorite. Run me through the scenario of what has to happen for Tennessee to win this one. Uh, can you even formulate that? Maybe what 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 do they need to do in order to play this one close? You know, it's it's an interesting question. At the beginning of the year, I don't know if you remember this, you said what would be tough games for Alabama, and I pointed out this game. Not because Tennessee was necessarily going to be great, but because where of where it falls in the schedule for Alabama. A ton of games in a row, a lot of SEC games in a row, um, and it's a rivalry game and all those sort of things. Um, I think that's completely false now. I was wrong. This is not going to be a tough game. Alabama will steamroll them. But what has to happen in order for it to be that close game that I thought? I yeah. think Alabama has to play their third string the entire game. <laughs> um, so there's not just, a reasonable scenario where this should there's, be. There shouldn't be. I mean, this is, again, this whole season is chaos. Like, Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be a way that Washington scores zero points until late in the fourth quarter against yeah. Arizona State. But I just don't see how this is this is possible. I think Alabama will be up for it because it's Tennessee, and I think it will be really, really ugly from start to end. Um, and, I mean, Alabama might win starting their third string. I don't really know. But it would at least be close. Okay. So you alluded to the will Butch Jones have a job next week game earlier in the episode. Uh, you were saying you don't think so. No, because they're going to lose 66 to nothing. <laughs> if Tennessee scores, I'll be pretty pissed. Yeah, and then Ole Miss will feel pretty good. They're like, well, at least we got up three points. <laughs> um, all right, so you're taking Alabama to beat this line? Yeah. What you think it'll Unless, be? I mean, the the only other way the only way it doesn't happen is if Alabama or Saban pulls the starters pretty early because he didn't want to get anybody to get hurt. Yeah, he wants them to have a lot of rest going on their bye game or the bye week. Um, but I think even if you put in Tua and the backups, I mean, dude, they can move the ball. Oh, we've uh, seen that. Yeah, t- Tennessee might score if we put in our second team defense, but I, I, this is just I mean, sixty six nothing is kind of a throwaway. I, 66 points is, would match the highest under Saban. Mm-hmm. Um, zero points would be absurd, but uh, that's the Tennessee's sort of, done it before this this year. In fact, yeah, um, they're just they're just they haven't scored a touchdown in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. They were they were winning against South Carolina it was the first time that they had been winning against a Power Five team all season. I know. We I, I texted you that that Chiron as it's called. Um, <laughs> You know, I think somewhere late in that Tennessee game, um, at the bottom of the screen on that Chiron under Butch Jones, I think just for a split second it said Scott Frost, but I think someone at ESPN was jumping the gun there. So I think Alabama's going to beat this line, um, but I want to say 54-6, to uh, just because uh, Tennessee is you know, bringing their, their rivalry emotions into this. And, ju- and just to say, like fifty-four to six in the Alabama-Tennessee, like you said, this is the biggest line it's ever been. It's. I just would like to emphasize again how sad the state of college football is, how sad the state of this program is, how sad the state of SEC football is. This should not be like fifty-four to six is a like a good reality. Like people would look at that and be like, yeah, that's a pretty good guess, and that's absurd. 
Yeah. It's absurd. All right. We'll see if it happens. Hopefully Alabama is not delayed in their, their chaos and they keep rolling. Let's do some quick picks. All right. All right. First quick pick we have Wisconsin, uh, fifth ranked, going against Maryland, a 23 and a half point favorite. Uh, I'm going to say the Wisconsin uh, wins this 34 to 13. Or 35 to 13, sorry. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, Wisconsin's going to win, but I don't think they cover. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got, I'll, I'll take Maryland to beat the spread just because Wisconsin's not going to put up a ton of points and Maryland yeah. can score if they're, if they're on their game. So, um, yeah, that, that's my call. All right. LSU, ranked number 24, going against Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss is a uh, 7.5-point underdog. Um, I guess I have uh, I have LSU winning this game 28-14. to 14. Yeah, I mean, this has chaos written all over it. Who yeah. in the world can possibly know what's going to happen in this game? And who even cares, frankly? <laughs> uh... I think I'll take yeah I'll take LSU to to cover. Okay. UAB playing Charlotte. UAB wins again. Obviously, they're they're actually a seven and a half point favorite, uh, and they're favored to win because Vegas has come to recognize UAB for what they are, a contender. So UAB wins. Um, I don't I don't know what the score will be, and no one will even know after the game. Uh, because the scoreboard will break from going too high, but a win's a win. So. Well, I thought you were going to say nobody will know after because nobody will care. Um, Not true. Everyone oh, will care. Well, all of our listeners at least. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, UAB covers. Yeah. All right. Uh, next, I don't know if we've even talked about them this year. UCF, and they're ranked number 20 now. They're playing Navy, who I think got their first loss this last weekend. Yeah. Um, they're expected to win by seven. So I think UCF, we should be maybe paying more attention to. Uh, they, like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, are kind of marching toward uh, a heck of a rivalry game at the end of the season. Um, they're going to be playing USF, who is also ranked. I don't remember exactly where right now. Um, like 18 or something. They're tied for 16, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that could be interesting. But anyway, uh, I think they cover this spread. I don't know what the score will be. Let's say 21 to 10. Yeah, I'm going to go Navy wins this. Um, I think Navy is a good football team. They got their first loss against Memphis, but they're a pretty good team. Um, I'll go Navy wins. And, uh, yeah. So I think they'll win it outright. But, I mean, South Florida, Central Florida, Navy, Memphis, there's some good football outside of the Power Five. And But if, I mean, if Central, if Central Florida keeps winning, South Florida keeps winning, it'll be interesting to see if all the Power Five teams keep losing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what the selection committee does with them at the end. Right. What you mean is uh, it'll be interesting to see what excuses the selection committee makes for not including them. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that, too. Uh, Next, we have FSU going against Louisville. Um, Five and a half is the point. Holy crap. Florida State. Yeah, Florida State is expected to win by five and a half. Um, I think... I think FSU could win this one, but doesn't cover. I think they might be a little bit 
on the rise from their low point this season. And Louisville, I don't know. We didn't even talk about the Louisville game. They lost to Boston College. Yeah, they, they just, I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson just has no help. Yeah. Uh, he, I, so, I don't know. It's just really hard for me to pick Florida State to win a game. I don't. I have but, them winning thirty-one to twenty-eight. I also want both teams to win. Like I want Lamar Jackson to have some more wins. I don't know. Uh, I'll take Florida State. Florida State uh, by a safety. Okay, so not to cover. They won't cover them. No. Okay. All right. Uh, do you have any other games you want to preview? No, I don't have any other games I want to preview. Um, yeah. Just, uh, this is turning into total chaos, which is wonderful, because there's a ton to talk about, but it'll just be interesting to see what chaos we have to talk about next week. Hopefully it's not Alabama. Yeah, as long as it stays away from Alabama and UAB. Although, uh, you know, it's hard to introduce chaos to UAB, because that's <laughs> too far off of uh, expected, I guess. But as long as UAB keeps racking up the wins... Alright, uh, so, that's all of the games for this week, but, as I said, we're bringing back the Twitter word, and it is mm-hmm. Country Fried Steak. So, tweet Country Fried Steak to us at Processing CFB, along with the team you support, and Mark, I'm going to put this on you, you will respond by summarizing their college football team this year in a one or two emoji-only response. So, uh, if you're a Missouri fan and you tweet Country Fried Steak and Missouri, it'll be more than just tweeting a tiger. It'll be like a tiger with maybe a syringe next to it, symbolizing the fact that it should just be euthanized at this point. Um, Something that really tells a story in the language of of the modern age. Um, An emoji story, kind of like the emoji movie. Yeah, only not... As the president suck. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's it for processing college football this week. Again, you can find us on iTunes. Please rate and review us. It really does help. We're also on Google Play. And that's it for this week. Hey, Jason, by the way, uh, happy birthday. Oh, thank you, sir. This yeah. will actually be posted on my birthday. Um, so you can tweet that at me, too, because I'm in desperate need. Again, of external validation, and it really helps. Yeah, man, happy birthday. Uh, Yeah, have a great week, and thanks for processing college football.